Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlife. Enjoy the episode. This episode has been brought to you by me and my business, Lauren Grace Inspirations. Hi, Lauren Grace here, and welcome to the Afterlight Podcast. My guest today is Kelly Dawn. She is an intuitive guide and spiritual mentor for driven, high-achieving women who want to manifest a life and business they're widely obsessed with, like me. Through her intuitive coaching, she helps women realign their mindset and energy so they can experience more ease and flow when manifesting their next level desires. And as a spiritual mentor, she helps those who are drawn to the path of witchcraft and magic work with the unseen realm and fully embody their most intuitive, empowered selves. And Kelly is joining me today. We're going to be talking primarily about manifestation and utilizing magic to bring about the kind of life that you'd like to live. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I got to say, I'm like really excited. And I, I don't know if like the energy is buzzing or I'm waiting to have my coffee. So it's an anticipation of, or also it's almost like, okay, I, I, it's almost like I hear that like, there's like a cackle of spirit between the two of us already. And we haven't even lodged into our conversation yet. So let's start a little bit at the beginning. I'd love to know a bit about how your spiritual journey kicked off. Have you always been fascinated by magic? When did you sort of realize that there was this thing called an unseen realm? Oh gosh, this goes back to my early, early childhood, probably around the age of five or six, we lived in this beautiful old farmhouse and my mom had her girlfriends over and one of them brought a Ouija board and they were playing with this Ouija board and apparently they connected with a spirit in the house named Jesse. And as a young child, I thought this was the coolest thing ever. I wasn't the least bit afraid, but that was my first introduction to the spirit realm, even though I didn't have a lot of information about what it really was. And Growing up, I was always just really fascinated that there was something outside of ourselves, at least back then I thought it was outside of ourselves, but there was a God or there was a source, there was something that was at play in the universe and there were spirits and there were things that we didn't really fully see or understand. And when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a very small town in rural Ontario. So Christianity was the only spiritual path that I was aware of. I wanted to be a nun because I thought it would be the coolest thing ever to spend all day with this great spirit. And then as I got older, it was around the age of 14, I got into Wicca and witchcraft and then spirit work kind of developed from there. But even before that age, I would make my own homemade spirit boards and connect with this realm because I was that kid who didn't really get along well with other kids. I was like a little adult in a child body. And so hanging out in the forest, hanging out with animals and connecting with spirits, that was where I felt the most comfortable. So that's always the realm that felt like, kind of felt like home to me. I find it really interesting that there's people like yourself who sort of start on your spiritual journey from a young age, and you kind of are able to navigate going through that without, I don't know, maybe a lot of fear or without some suppression that sort of comes through. And maybe you have experienced that later. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. But I know other people sort of start out into that world, and then they kind of 
get off track. Like I remember when I used to play witches by my, by myself in the backyard. And, you know, then I used to watch a lot. I, we used to do, uh, you know, work with Ouija boards and stuff as kids, but then something happened where all of a sudden it became scary to me. And so I had to kind of go over to the other side of eventually, which was about, uh, I got the Rider White deck when I was 13 and that freaked me out because of like a lot of those cards were a little bit like intense for me and uh, ended up going into the angelic realm for a long time, which was maybe kind of felt like a safer playground. How do you think, or why do you think some of us sort of are able to to stay within because there's nothing that is scary or unnatural about connecting with animals and being intentional intentional about connecting with a higher source and you know why is it that some people sort of have this fear around it is it all the horror movies that we've watched is it marketing is it that some people do go down that route yeah, I believe it's a combination of those things because we're taught through horror movies and scary TV shows that that realm is filled with evil entities that are just out to get your soul. Yeah. And we also get that from a lot of religious programming. And yeah. I went through that experience as well because when I got older, I was going through a lot of turmoil in my personal life. I was dealing with addictions and I ended up mm -hmm. in church and I kind of bounced back and forth between Pentecostal Christianity and witchcraft. And in church, there is this massive, massive fear that if you venture over into that realm, if you practice anything spiritual, that's not biblical, that you are basically opening yourself up for these evil entities to come and possess you. And so I do remember when I was in that part of my life, having some reservations, I'm like, oh, wow, I guess I'm really lucky that I didn't pick anything up when I was over there in the spirit <laughs> yeah. realm. But looking at it from where I am now, I can see that that's just like a fear tactic basically that they use. And I think it is human nature too, to have a fear of things that we don't really see. Like yeah. I live, I live in the forest and when I'm outside at night with my dog, if he's doing his little, his little business before bed, there are things happening around me where I'm just like, I'm going to go back inside and I'm going <laughs> to feel much safer inside my house, even though I know the forest isn't necessarily a dangerous place. It's yeah. the same thing with the spirit realm. Not all spirits are friendly. Not all spirits want to help humanity many of them do but just like not all animals are going to be friendly to humans we just have to be cautious and we have to be smart about the work that we're doing yeah I love that and that's such a great response and it's really bringing me to the word intention which I think we're going to be coming back to probably a lot in our chat together especially when we're talking about manifestation um, I do want to sort of you know go back to what you were talking about a bit about sometimes we're afraid of things that we can't see. And I know that I can really connect to that as well. I think uh, for me, I started mediumship like a year and a half ago and I always knew I could do it, but I was always very afraid of it. And I ended up getting the theta healing to like remove an old program and blah, blah, blah. But the point is that I was very afraid of not being able to be powerful. And I think that, you know, kind of going back to what you're talking about, sometimes, you know, maybe if we look even at the religious upbringings that many people have, we're not always encouraged to go and to find our own inner power and that we can actually work stuff out on our own. And I've just started getting into, I don't know if you've read her work, Dolores Cannon's work, because I actually saw like a reel the other day and she was talking a lot about how, you know, manipulating energy. And I just feel that, you know, there's... <sighs> 
I know we have to kind of go through stuff to be able to figure out that that's not for us or to find our own inner power and, and that sort of thing. But a big part about us being here, in my opinion, is us being these powerful manifestors that we actually can create things that we can, you know, use magic to be able to live this incredible life. And I think a lot of us have to do undoing. And then we have to also step into our power and feel confident to do that. So you talked about, you know, exploring and, and getting into Wicca when you were younger, 14, 15, that sort of age. Do you feel that, you know, I, I believe that you are happy calling yourself a witch. Do you think that terms like that um, often can scare people off that, that road? Or do you think that they actually also find a sense of belonging within that too? Yeah, I think it's both. I have women in my world who come to work with me and they have zero desire to use the word witch. And so I do spiritual mentorship and then I also do coaching. And so for those women, the coaching is a really good fit because they're not at a place where they identify with that word. But then other women that come to me, the word witch is so empowering and it's a very loaded word for a lot of people. But once they undo the programming around it, they see the potency of that word. And when they start using it for themselves and they identify as a witch, it's like something changes and they access a part of themselves that is innately powerful. And when we think of witches in the movies and in TV shows, they tend to be the women who don't really follow the rules. They tend to be the women who don't really live life inside the box. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, when they start using that word, men as well, they give themselves permission to do the same in their life. So once they get past any stickiness they might feel around embracing that word, it unlocks a power that's always been within them. But that's the, the catalyst for a lot of change in their life. I think this is really important because, you know, you're sort of talking about almost, it's like you get to embrace this part of yourself that's always been there. And for some people, they want to add that title and, and maybe there's that sense of belonging. And for other people, maybe they don't really need that title, but the the feeling is still the same. It's that feeling of knowing that there's something within you that you can tap into to help you to be powerful. And I was wondering a little bit about you know, I think that as we navigate life that we really have to learn. And I don't know if this is just something that takes time. I recently did a whole bunch of rounds of um, Bach flower remedies and I was like really loving the effects of that. And also I recently turned 40. So I don't know if it's all part of this or just my life journey, but I'm finding that I'm getting less triggered by stuff or at least for, for less lengths of time. And I think part of that, what's happening for me is also not worrying as much about what other people are going to think. And so I think a big part about us being able to harness and step into our power. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing up this question is because I think that this affects our ability to manifest in a lot of ways is that we almost have to find that innate power within ourselves so that we can get on our own path and get on our own journey and not be doing all of these things for all these other people to really tap into that, that magic and that connection to our own soul. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. What's coming through is a lot of a lot of stuff that people have around money. Um, with my coaching clients, a lot of the work that we do, it has around, or it is rather around 
helping them receive more money with more ease, like easier and faster. And there's this part of them that feels that power within them to do that. But then it's almost as if they're waiting for permission because for a lot of people, when it comes to money and, and other things too, that they want to manifest in their life, they feel like it's okay to have a certain amount. Like it's okay to drive a certain kind of car, but they don't really want to drive the car that they truly desire because what will the neighbors think? Or it's okay to make a certain amount of money, but then beyond that, what will people think? Will it be safe for me to have that kind of wealth? And really breaking through and giving yourself permission to manifest not just what you need, but what you truly desire. That's like a big piece of stepping into our power and caring less about the opinions of other people. And I think this is a really common thing for women when they hit their forties, because they're at that point where they're like, I have lived my life according to a whole list of shoulds and serving other people and making sure that I'm doing the right things to be a good person and a successful adult. And now I'm in a place where I just want to live my life. I just want to do what makes me happy. And they get to this point where it's almost like an effort kind of point. Like if people don't like it, meh, <laughs> not my problem anymore. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that that's something that, um, that we almost have to practice every day as well as just to kind of monitor our thoughts, monitor our intentions, monitor even the where we're expending our energy. Cause I think that a lot of people that I speak with as well, um, cause I do, I, I do some work as well with people who, who work in like disability industries and do a lot of giving that there's a lot of giving of the energy away and not a lot of receiving back. And not only that, but when we're giving and we're giving and we're giving, one of the patterns I notice is that people don't take the time to ask themselves, what is it that I in fact want or, or, you know, thoughts on that? Yeah. It's like the energy exchange has to be more balanced. It's just like yeah. when we're breathing, if all we're doing is exhaling all the time without inhaling or just doing these short little quick inhales and then exhaling all the time we're not going to survive. We're not going to feel at our best. And if we're constantly depleting ourselves by giving to other people, what tends to happen is that people move into this energy of resentment, even if it's not a conscious thing. And there's this deeper, deeper feeling of not just resentment, but almost like they're giving away parts themselves. They're not just giving away their time. They're not just giving away their energy, but it's like they're losing who they are through this process of overgiving. Yeah, that's so cool. All right. So, I mean, I know our listener at home's like, okay, well, this is all well and good, but how do I stop doing that? Okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. One of the things I think we need to go back to for a second, because you were talking, you know, about helping people to manifest things easily, especially financial things like money, for example, you were talking about the whole idea of the car, right? Where somebody might go, oh, I really want this particular car, but I'm going to settle for less. So it's making me think of Gay Hendrick's fabulous book, which is about the big leap and the upper limit problem that a lot of us have. And I live, um, I'm a Canadian as well, and I live in Australia. And one of the things that I noticed um, is sometimes in the workshops that I do that people feel like if they were to step out and be who they are or say what they feel or drive the car that they want, that it would be sort of misconstrued as being showing off or being vain or being, you know, thinking that you're a know-it-all or yeah. So I think that there's just so many different layers to all of this 
this stuff, isn't it? It's like all these old beliefs, all this religious stuff, all these fears that we have, the losing our power from the unseen. Then if we can overcome all of that, then we still have to deal with our ego selves, which are like feeling inferior or superior and then balancing that with other people. I mean, how do you kind of even start to, to, uh, take away or to go through the layers of a person to kind of find out where is it that they're having their biggest challenge? I think something that's really helpful is taking very, very small steps. So let's say, for example, you're a vegetarian and you go to a family event and the family event is filled with meat eaters who aren't exactly understanding of your dietary choices. It is very easy to put yourself in a position like that and just go with the flow because you don't want to make people upset. You don't want confrontation. You don't really want to stand up for what you believe in. You just want to keep the peace. You don't want to be that person who is attracting too much attention, right? So you just go ahead and you eat whatever's there. Or you can be the person who makes a different choice and decides to stand out who decides to be a little bit different and deal with the discomfort of what it's like when you choose yourself over the comfort of pleasing other people. And there are many other examples that we could go into around this, but those smaller things, the more we practice them and the more we say yes to ourselves and yes to our desires, regardless of what other people around us think, the more comfortable we get doing this in all areas of our life. And the things just get to get bigger and bigger and the life choices can be a little more dramatic. And yes, we can you know, have conversations with our loved ones or the people who are important to us and let them know where we're coming from, if that feels in alignment for us. But at the end of the day, it's us choosing the life that we want to experience and not the life that we think that we should be living to please other people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what when you were talking there it was about that whole idea of practice makes progress, right? And I like I like what you're saying. You're sort of saying, you know, it's about understanding that maybe you're in situations where you are saying yes when you want to say no, and it's about practicing to do those things in those in our mundane lives. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say mundane. They're not mundane. They're magical and fantastic. But sometimes we go through, you know, the same sort of cycles, and it's about honoring yourself in those key moments, because like you said, those key moments add up actually to big change. And sometimes what happens is we're presented with a bigger opportunity and we have to make a decision on it. So where do you think women very often sort of break through that? Do you think that they kind of go through the cycles and then they start to go, oh, wait a minute, I'm now understanding that I've been saying yes to all of these things for so long that now I'm going to give myself permission to say no. And as I give myself permission to say no, I'm actually going to give myself permission to also think about a life that I actually want to live. One of the things I do in my workshops is I ask people to get clear on the desired life that they want. And a lot of them, and Kelly, maybe you experience this in your clients, they don't ask themselves these questions, which is paramount to our ability to be able to manifest. Yes. Yeah. I see that all the time. And I remember when I was at that point in my life, I wanted to leave the job that I was at. I knew I wanted to do something different. And I remember walking in the park for what seemed like hours on end, desperately seeking for the answer to what do I want? What do I even want? Because from the time we're very young, we're told what we want. 
Like I grew up in a world where the proper thing to do was to go to college or university, get a a degree, get a good job, settle down with a partner, have some kids, work at that job until retirement age, get your pension, and then you can go on vacation and then you can be happy. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) Sign me up. Yeah, no thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I think that that's actually a cycle that a lot of people play into and they don't always realize that they're doing it, you know, and I think that's a big part. And some of us have to have those dark night of the soul moments where spirit comes in and kicks us in the ass or slams us in the face or something like that, just to get our attention. Sometimes we can get the signs nice and easily and gracefully. And by the way, just on a side note to our listener at home, whenever I'm manifesting things, I always ask for it to come about joyously, easily, gracefully, instead of like a big kick in the butt. Because uh, you want to be clear on certain things like that. Where did you in your journey start to realize that that wasn't the path that you were going to take and that you realized that there was something else that was sort of meant for you? At that time, I was working for the family business and I had been there for about 16 years. And I knew after the first couple of years that I didn't want to be there. And I got to the point where I had been numbing myself with drugs and alcohol. I was over shopping. I was partying all the time. I was basically just trying to exist. And on the outside, everything looked fine. I was very functioning. I was doing a great job at work and everything. But I was noticing that I would start off feeling okay at the beginning of the day. And by the end of the day, I felt energetically depleted, drained, like I had had the life sucked out of me. And it's not that anything had happened at work that day. It wasn't like there was a a fight or anything like that. This was just the regular day-to-day existence. Mm -hmm. And I also noticed that when people left the company, whether they were moving away or they were changing jobs, I would feel so envious that they got out. And I remember thinking, this isn't a prison sentence. Like, this is a a wonderful job that I have. Like, I I like what I do. I don't love it, but it's it's all right. It pays the bills. I have health benefits and vacation packages and everything like that. Yeah. And I I don't remember the exact moment, but there was there was a time when I realized, do I want to be doing this for the rest of my life? Because if I don't get out, if I don't make the decision to start living life on my terms. I'm going to be just like my coworkers who are buying lotto tickets every Friday, hoping to get out. That actually <laughs> I thought there's got to be a better way. Sad, you know, when, when you're talking about that, I don't know whether or not you feel sad reflecting on that, but I just feel a lot of emotion in that because there's so many people and I can relate to that to a degree where they don't feel like they even have that choice. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're living for the Friday lotto. They're living for a day that may never come. Yeah, I had so much fear. I was terrified. I remember there was a time when I had gone back to college because I was going to get a job as a PSW. And I worked for my dad at the time. He wasn't retired. He was still in the company. And we were standing beside the fax machine. And he said, Kel, do you really think you're going to be able to make it out there? And I felt like this scared little six-year-old girl. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can make it outside of this job because I had grown up in it. It's all I knew. And it was so safe and secure. And then down the road, I ended up leaving that job to go work at Tim Hortons because I knew if I stayed there, I would never leave because it wasn't horrible. And I had to 
make that leap, that leap of faith and move through the fear. And it was one of the most difficult decisions I ever made. And also the best decision that I ever made was to go work at Tim Hortons. <laughs> Hortons was my first job, by the way, which I got fired at, but that's another story, <laughs> which is probably good because I ate a hell of a lot of donuts. So it's funny because <laughs> kind of like you're talking about how you, it's almost as though, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, that you had this sort of higher awareness where you went, okay, I know that if I stay working in this job that I'm going to kind of get stuck in some rut and I'm going to probably remain here. So I know that I need to make an income. And for a listener at home, if you're not familiar, Tim Hortons is a very popular coffee donut chain in Canada. Um, and so every, all Canadians know about it. And one of the things that you did is you went, okay, I know I can get, you know, kind of a new start by going over here. So you go and you start working there and you start doing that. When did you start to realize that, okay, I have this ability to be able to actually make ends meet or make a living by, by working in a completely different industry? Where did the idea of magic sort of introduce itself to you? Or even the idea of being able to use magic, and I'm talking about magic with a K, which is alchemy and being able to manipulate energy to bring about the kind of life that you want. I mean, it's sort of difficult to summarize somebody's life in a couple of minutes, but how would you sort of summarize something as significant as that, I guess? What a big question for, yeah. I love it. That happened a couple of years later. So after Tim Hortons, I worked at a variety of jobs because I just wanted something I could go to, get a paycheck and come home and give myself a lot of mental space to think about what I wanted to do and really create the life that I wanted. And I ended up working as a superintendent. And at that job, I did a lot of cleaning. And what I realized is that I love cleaning. Like it's like meditation for me. And that's when I got the idea to start my own cleaning business. And it was around that time that I started learning more about the law of attraction and manifestation and the magic that I had done when I was younger, because I practiced witchcraft off and on over the years and I did spell work, but I didn't have a very deep understanding of the mechanics of magic. But it was at that time when I was starting my cleaning business, diving deep into spiritual and personal development and learning about manifestation and magic on a deeper level where things started to click. And I would watch these YouTube videos. I started making vision boards. I started being very intentional with my spell work and everything started to flow. Like I still showed up. I still took action. I did the marketing work for my business, went out there and went on sales calls and things like that. But everything, it just felt like it was moving the way it was supposed to. Oh, that's so good. So can I ask, uh, when you first got introduced to the law of attraction, what what was it? For me, it was what the bleep do we know? And then I also got into like zeitgeist. I was like watching all of those. And then of course, the secret, because the secret came out around what the bleep do we know. Did you watch what the bleep do we know? Do you know that show? I love it. I still watch it. I'll throw it on every once in a while oh just to God. kind of remind myself. Like if I get too locked into the humanness of our experience, I'll watch something like that. Yeah. My first introduction, it was the secret, but it was... It was years earlier. It was probably, I want to say 10 years, but I could be right. Time and I, we don't really get along very well. Yeah. It was a, it was a while before I actually started practicing manifestation. But I do remember watching The Secret with my friends and our minds were blown. It was like the most fascinating information I had ever absorbed. And then I went right back to living my regular life and kind of put that 
whole concept on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah. But that makes complete sense because I think around the time, well, let me see. I think so in 2000, which is when around what the bleep came out, I would have been about 18. So, you know, the idea of being even realizing that content and then being able to discuss it with other people to like bring it to fruition. Yeah. I don't even know for me how fast it happened. I think it was around that time I started understanding that I could reprogram my mind. And I, I ended up getting involved in like some, some, I was reading a lot of books that were kind of teaching me a lot about being able to reprogram. And I like went to a counseling session who really taught me a lot about replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts. And it really did that. But then, you know, we kind of go through our twenties and like, we get off the beaten path and then we come back and it's kind of like that whole idea. I don't know about if this is the same for you, but sometimes when things are going really well, you're like, ah, oh, I don't need to talk to my angels today. I don't need to like be intentional about things because everything's working well. But then the minute shit hits the fan, you're like, all oh, right, okay. What is it that I want calling in <laughs> spirit? Um, so it's just, it's just such a funny journey and it's so interesting. I love that you uh, learned about the secret too, because I think one of the things about the secret and what the, what the bleep do we know did is it kind of for those of us who were open to it, is it said, hey, remember this? Boom. And there was like this element of truth within it, right? And we may not have been able to figure it out at the time, although those those seeds were sort of planted. Do you think that a big part about, you know, our ability to be able to manifest and create a magical life is that maybe some people are just sort of closed off to the opportunity that there's more than just what we see? I mean, some of the stuff that I believe... I mean, it would blow people's minds off that it's a real truth for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that you use the word remembering, like that's really what it is. This whole, yeah. this whole concept, this whole process rather of manifesting our reality. It's about remembrance. It's about peeling back the layers of everything that we've been taught about the way the world works and the universe works and coming back to this place of being like, oh Yeah it gets to be like this. Like we have so much more power. And it's interesting because as children, most most kids are so drawn to cartoons about magic and wizards and witches. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's like, hey, I remember this. This is, this is real. And then we go to school and we get logic and reason shoved down our throats. Like it's yeah. the be all and end all. And we forget. And it's interesting. Years ago, I started spoon bending. I read a book by Martha oh. Beck and I had heard about spoon bending beforehand, but I thought it was like a, like something only special people could do, or it was like a stage magic kind of thing. But when I was reading Martha Beck talk about it, I was like, wait a minute, she's a very intelligent, logical woman. And she's talking about spoon bending. So I did it. And I remember going for coffee with my dad and my dad at the time was in his early eighties. So from a very different, a very different time period. Yes. And here I am feeling like a very excited little girl being like, Hey dad, guess what I did last night. And he got angry. Like he wasn't just like telling me, that, oh, okay, that's kind of silly. Yeah. But it came out as absolute anger. It was so interesting. And that's when I realized, whoa, we are living in the same dimension on two completely different lines of reality right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
That's actually such a big thing because, so I did a workshop a couple of weeks ago and this woman asked me a question and she said, you know, how do we, cause I was talking about reprogramming your mind, being aware of your thoughts, you know, you know, like easy conversations like that to talk about in a two hour workshop. And one of the things that she said was, well, how do we get other people to do that? And I said, no, you can't do that for other people. Other people have to find their own way, but what we can do is we can be the change. We, you know, that whole quote about like, be the change you want to see in the world. That's what we have to do is when we can be in our own corner and we can shine our own light and people are going to go, Kelly Dawn, what is it about you? And you're like, well, I'm just authentic as F I'm doing all the things that I feel innately called to do. I have, I understand my own power and I'm showing up like that every day. So, you know, you're talking about kind of living in the same dimension as your father, but in two different, complete different paths. And it's so fascinating that your light and your power triggered him in such a way, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, do you think that for a long time he's, he kind of suppressed that, or do you think there was religious fears around that or there was just maybe this unknown. Did he believe you, for example, that you were able to do that? I don't think so. I thought, I think he probably thought that I was on something. Like he thought that I was absolutely crazy. My dad was not the least bit spiritual or religious. He was very, very into what he could see with his physical eyes, what yeah. he could see around him and that was life and his belief is once you die you turn into worm food like that's that's what happens there's no afterlife there's no nothing this is what it is yeah so what do you think about people who you know are living in in lives like that where they have this you know sort of this innate this innate knowingness they have this spiritual knowingness uh I mean, maybe we don't sing it off the rooftops, but maybe that's a big part about the suppression as well is that we're like afraid of doing that. You know, it's kind of, it's so connected, isn't it? It's like our ability to talk about the things that we're afraid of, or, or sorry, that other people are afraid of makes us not want to do it. But when we don't do it, then we're also suppressing who we really truly are. But then can we be who we are in a casual way? Is it just important about having a sisterhood in a community so that we can be ourselves in those areas and not ourselves in other ways. How do we navigate that? I think when we just start showing up as our authentic self, and even if we're not shouting from the rooftops what we believe in and what we think is possible, if we're content living our life according to our principles and our beliefs, like you said, other people are going to notice. And the people who are at a place where they're ready to be open for these different types of thinking about the world, they're going to come closer and they're going to want to explore and they're going to ask questions. And for the people who aren't there, that's perfect for them because they're on their own journey. They're at a space where they might open up to things in the future and they might not, but yeah. knowing and trusting that everyone is exactly where they want to be. And when they get to a space where they want to explore, that's always available. But if they never get there, that's okay too. Yeah. And, you know, we are all on our own journey. And one of the things, you know, that I know to be true is that we can't ever judge or ex expect to know why someone else is the way that they are or where they are. Like we, I fully believe that we're all here doing our best and our best looks different every day. And I think that we can't ever understand why someone else is on their particular journey. I mean, maybe we can try to make sense of it, but it's up for that soul to know, I think. Yeah. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to 
stick to one spiritual path. And I would have people in my life kind of make fun of me or wish that I would just pick a path and stick with it because I bounced around and I explored different spiritual ways of being in the world. And I got to a point where I finally decided that it was okay to do that, that there was no big universal rule that said, you have to be Christian. You have to be a witch. You have to be a Buddhist. You have to be this, you have to do that. And I wasn't messing anything up by going through this exploratory process, but it did trigger a lot of people around me. They had a lot of issues with it. And I thought that was really interesting because I understood my struggle with it because I was trying to find a spiritual home, but for them to be triggered by it, I was like, that's weird. It doesn't have anything to do with you. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. I think it's a lot about, you know, that we kind of feel that we have to play these particular roles or we have these sort of like, okay, what's coming to me when you're talking about that is that people are still limiting themselves. I mean, everyone needs to do what they need to do. That's fair. Okay, fine. But that being said, why, why would you limit yourself? And I think that a lot of people like who want to stay within a certain role or who want to stay within a certain lane, you know, that there's still this element of fear and there's still this element of not being able to step into their power because it doesn't conform to whatever lane that they're in or whatever title they've given themselves I mean, there's a lot of missed opportunity there. Absolutely. And I feel like fear is such a driving force with a lot of spiritual paths where we're taught if we do venture outside the flock, if we do go off track, we are going to get ourselves into trouble. Like there's a big, scary spiritual world out there. And if you don't adhere to this one particular system, follow this one set of guidelines, then you are going to do anything from backslide and have some bad experiences to burn in hell, depending on (laughs) what religion you're in. Yeah, exactly. How do people overcome fear and overcome worry? How do you guide people to do that? Is it a big part about reprogramming your mind? Is it manifestation, uh, sorry, meditation? Is it journaling and burning? What is it? Is it spell work? I mean, how do people get out of their own way and and step out of fear. And I will say that I, I tend to be somebody who does worry and it's confusing because it's like part of my brain worries when the other part of my brain knows it's all good. So it's this whole like (laughs) wheel of fortune kind of interesting balance that I'm going through every day, but (laughs) yeah, I totally get that. Worrying is one of those things that I need to practice moving out of yeah more often than I would like to admit it's one of those things that feels deeply ingrained and so when it comes to worry what I find really helpful is remembering that it's a choice no one is causing us to worry there can be a circumstance but it's the meaning that we give that circumstance that creates the feeling of worry within ourselves. and so when we acknowledge that we are choosing to worry that moves us deeper into our power and then from there with very practical things, we can we can do things like EFT tapping, journaling. Something I absolutely love doing is I will grab my phone, open up a voice note app, and I will speak things aloud. And I'll say something like, I am the universe in human form who has made a very interesting choice to worry and stress and freak out about the situation. I am doing this for my pure entertainment, probably because this is an old pattern that I'm used to running. Now that I see myself, I see my reality. I see myself as a universe in human form doing this for my entertainment. I'm now going to choose something different. 
And just saying that, and I love to walk around when I say it to get the energy moving. I can talk myself from like a level 10 worry down to about a four or five. And then what I'll do after that is usually some journaling, some tapping. I find it really difficult to meditate if I'm worrying, if I'm stressed out, I'm anxious. Even if it's one of my favorite Joe Dispenza guided meditations, I can't get there until I calm the little meat suit down. Like the body has to be in a place where it doesn't want to freak out. And so using those different practices and again, always coming back to this truth that we are giving everything meaning and that when we worry I feel it's a very addictive thing, especially for women, because we think that when we worry, we're being more responsible. When in reality, that's not what's happening at all. We're just putting ourselves into a state that's not the least bit resourceful. And at the end of the day, what we could do instead is perhaps focus on a desired outcome that we do want to have happen and direct all of that energy because the energy of worry, it is potent. Like it is a potent, potent force within us. But if you can transmute that, and you can push that into something that you do want to have happen, that's when things get really magical really quickly because you are working with this life force energy that's moving through you in such a powerful way, but you're being very intentional about what you're directing it to. Yeah, that's a beautiful response. I had this sort of conversation with myself a little while ago and when you were talking about like walking around talking to yourself, I was like, that's an example of someone coaching a coach, coaching herself, which I just love because sometimes it's easy to coach other people and then coaching ourselves. It's like, what? Yeah. So anyway, I just love that. Um, one of the things that I was sort of realizing lately is that because I was asking myself, I'm like, why is it that my ego makes up all these worries or makes up all of these fears of that of things that aren't even true, like all of this crazy stories, crazy talk, and it's not true. And one of the things that came to me was that the ego wants us to be small and not get out there and be brave because it's this whole survival thing, right? So they're like, okay, I'm going to make up all of these crazy scenarios. I'm going to bring up all of these things from the past of things that actually never happened. And when I do that, what I do is I actually suppress you and make you small. And when you're small and afraid and you're cowering, then what happens? Well, you're not going to take brave steps forward. You're not going to put yourself in the way of danger. You're not going to get yourself in situations that are uncomfortable or foreign. And when I started to realize that, I went, wait a minute. So that's what it is. A big part about it, isn't it? It's like, the ego vying for our attention. And then when you're talking about that, it's like, okay, so you're in the middle of worry, worry, but what you're talking about is you're saying, I'm aware that I'm worrying. And when I'm aware that I'm worrying, all of a sudden now I'm in the driver's seat of being able to transmute and change that worry. And so I love how instead of sitting there and sitting in the worry that you go, I know what I need to do to shift this out. And so I just wanted to bring that back because a big part about worry, I think, is like sometimes we don't know that we're in it. And then when we're in it, we don't realize we're choosing to be there. Yeah, I love that you shared that because it's so true when we're stressed out and we're afraid we're not creating because all we're trying to do is survive. And so the ego will will do this. Right, and keep us small, keep us exactly where we are in this space where all we want to do is just get through the day. 
when we're in that space, we can't create, we can't grow and expand. We can't really serve other people at a high level because we're so concerned about taking care of ourselves and just meeting our basic needs and trying not to freak out. But when we come back to this place of power, and like you said, we have awareness that we're worrying, then we can calm ourselves down. And that's when we can put ourselves out there in a bigger way, whether that's taking that big leap of action that we know we're called to take, whether that's making a bigger impact or working on the projects that our soul really wants us to get out there into the world. Yeah, a hundred percent. In a moment, I want to talk to you about how is it that you do go about creating and manifesting. I want to talk to you about the importance of alignment versus action, because you did talk earlier about taking action, but then I kind of felt like there was something unsaid about that. You don't always have to take action. It's about being in alignment. I also want to talk to you in a moment about the power of emotions. But one thing I wanted to share was two affirmations that I personally use for worry. And I'd love to know if you've heard them before. One of them is from A Course in Miracles. And it is, I could choose joy instead of this. I mean, sorry, I could choose peace instead of this. And I love that idea about going, wait a minute, I can choose peace instead of this worrying thought. And so I I wanted to share that affirmation. And then the other one have you heard of the um the author Florence Scovel Shin before? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I was in a state. Oh my gosh. I've, I'm like lit up. I have chills. Oh my a God. Few years ago, I got myself all worked up into like this little ball of stress. And her book, um, The Game of Life and How to Play It, I think yeah. that's the name of it. Yeah, it is. That is, yeah. Okay. So it was available, I'm sure it still is, uh, for free as a podcast. And I listened to that book 24-7. And I swear that book got me out of one of the darkest places I have been in in my entire life. Oh, that is so good. I think it's actually in that book. And this was like, this is my affirmation. It's backwards here on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube, but I'll, I'll read it for you. But the affirmation from that, and you may be familiar with it if it's from that book. She's got, I think she has four or five books. There's like another one about creating a magical life and that sort of thing. So this was the affirmation. It was, I cast over my burdens to the Christ light within and I go free. And I remember I was driving and I heard that and I went, what? And I like pulled over and rewound it so I could re-listen to that. I cast over my burdens to the Christ light within and I go free. Have you heard of that one before, Kelly? It's not ringing a bell, but I love it. I, isn't it powerful? And it's like, when I heard that, I had this moment where I went, it it was almost like, um, you know, the movie slows down, it goes, doom, doom, doom. And everything is in slow motion. And I went, whoa. And for me, it made me feel in that moment. And I think when I heard it there in that moment, like I have different, um, sort of when I say it to myself, it's different powers. Like sometimes it's like, whoa, and it really like slows everything down. And other times it's like, oh yeah, I just say it and it's lovely. But what it did is it reminded me of my inner power and my ability within my own self to transmute things. And then, and we're not going to go there today, but then there's that whole idea of like, well, spirit guides and angels are very often personifications of our own energy. We just don't really realize that we're that powerful. So we have to personify, you know, angels to come in and do the stuff for us. But this reminded me of, wait a minute, there is that power within me almost like this core of beautiful light that can just that's inside me that I can just send all the stuff through and it'll just transmute it all 
And I would think that that's a big part about the power that we need to tap into when we get into manifestation. Absolutely. I do something very similar with the elements. I work with fire, water, earth, and air, and I will envision something that feels very heavy, something that I want to transmute. I will give that physical form and I will see myself handing it over to the elementals and then they can do the work. And again, they're, they're aspects of myself, but it's very helpful to see them as these spirit allies that I get to work with. So how do you do that? So you have a worry and can you explain a little bit about that process? Cause I love that. Yeah. So I will give it physical form and what this could look like would be maybe a ball of fire or maybe a ball of black mist. It really depends on whatever my intuition wants to give me as far as a visual. And I will hold it up in my arms and I will literally see me passing it over to them. And the elementals themselves, I see them as women and they're each wearing specific outfits. And again, my intuition just gave me the the visual image for water, air, earth, and fire. And I see them standing around and they are taking the ball of fire or the ball of black smoke, whatever it is, and they're holding their hands over it and they're chanting and they're doing whatever kind of magic they need to do. And then they will transmute that into something that's beneficial for me. And when it comes back to me, the physical form it usually takes, or the visual representation rather, is usually that of a silver or gold sphere. And the energy just feels very pure. And they'll hand that sphere back to me and I'll take it and I'll take it like over my head and allow it to like wash through my body. And then it's calm energy or confident energy or whatever the original source was transmuted into. Oh my God. I love that so much. That's just like, it, uh, that's so beautiful, Kelly. Thank you for sharing that. And what's coming through to me when you talk about that is you're like, life is working for us. And so I can decide if I want to just sit here with this ball of black sludge or all this like ugliness, or I can go, wait a minute. I can see the opportunity in the light within this shadow. And I can, you know, work with the spirit that's around us, the elementals, you know, especially you live in the forest. I do too, you know, like, wow, let's harness that. Let's transmute it. Let's bring it back. Let's use it to work for us because life is working for us, not against us. And we, we kind of like when we're playing small and we're in that ego mindset, we're like, Oh, everything's happening to me. It's like, no, that's actually not true at all. And I love how you're going. I know that I can make this work for me. That's so powerful. That's awesome. Let's talk a little bit about alignment and action. And one of the things that I feel like we need to discuss as well is the power of emotions. And I'd love to know from you. I know when I started reprogramming my mind back in 2000, uh, I was doing a lot of like replacing negative thoughts with positive thoughts, which really was super helpful for me. But it wasn't until a couple of years ago that I understood that I'd been missing out on a key element here, which was actually the emotions. So can you talk to me a bit about the, you know, the, the role that emotions play in manifesting? Do they play a, a role in the manifesting and the magic work that you do? And also how does that connect with alignment? Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about alignment first. So whenever I'm helping someone with manifestation, I always have them connect into the bigger picture vision that they want to create for themselves in their life, business, whatever area they want to focus on. But I also think it's important to look at all of the pieces so we're not just heavily focused on one area of growth. 
And I'll have them use that as a North star, like as a guiding light. And then when they're getting these ideas drop in for actions that they can take, they can look at that bigger picture vision and ask themselves, if I were already there, is this an action that I would take in order to help me create that experience faster, easier in a way that felt fun and expansive? Or is this an action that is just keeping me busy? And the biggest, the biggest way I've seen this show up over the years with clients is entrepreneurs who focus on things like the color on their website instead of doing sales, right? There's, there's aligned actions that are going to help them produce a result. And then there's actions that are just keeping them on a hamster wheel of busyness and really tuning in and asking ourselves, like, why am I doing this? Why am I taking this action right now? Does it feel expansive for me? Or am I doing this because I'm afraid to do the thing that I know I'm truly called to do? That is so good. And that's a big part about you being clear on your desired life, because if you know what it is you're working towards, then you know how to act like that person now. And I love how you're talking about, okay, let's identify the goal here. And then how is it that we're going to get there? Because I think a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, I really want to have blah, blah, blah. But like you said, they're not actually showing up like that. They're not taking aligned action. They're doing things that are seemingly busy. On a side note, I teach a um, time management course for spiritual professionals where I actually teach people, hello, not everything is a priority one, just an FYI. <laughs> so when you're talking about that, you're basically talking about taking, getting an alignment and then taking an aligned action. Do you think that you always need to take an action or is alignment enough? Like, can I just be really aligned and then go have a nap and like expect the universe to deliver me clients, for example? Yeah, totally. Like a nap can be part of your aligned action, but it's also really helpful to market your business. Right. So yeah. for me, if I'm sending an email and I'm posting on social media, that's that's my work for the day when it comes to marketing. And so if my mind is telling me that I need to do 12 more things to market my business, I can tune in and be like, well, do I really like, do I want to do those things? Mm -hmm. And for myself, I have a podcast and there are times where I only podcast maybe once every week or two. And then lately it's been daily, but that those actions to do the podcast, that's not coming from a place of forcing or should, that's what feels in alignment for me. And then other days, alignment looks like binging on the originals and watching vampire shows all afternoon, because that's what I feel called to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's really important also to honor where you're at, because, you know, some people might look at that and go, well, that's a hell of a waste of time. And you're like, no, because when I'm watching those shows, it's reminding me about my power. It's making me feel fierce and badass and myself. And I'm like, all of a sudden now I'm feeling like, yeah, I can do all of this stuff. I mean, vampires, for example, talk about an amazing, you know, uh, they're not a metaphor. What's the word I'm looking for? But vampires are amazing to look at because think about it. They're beautiful. They're powerful. They're immortal. They're strong. They're not afraid. They can go into anywhere and know that no one's going to mess with them. I mean, when you feel that energy and that vibe, that makes you feel like you can take on the world, which sounds to me like it's a great use of your time. Absolutely. And yeah. also when we allow ourselves to switch off like that, whether it's watching a show and getting lost in a, in a movie or TV show or going for a walk or taking a nap or having a bath in the middle of the day, 
we're allowing space for intuitive messages to drop in. And that's when things get really, really good when we're manifesting because we block ourselves from so much information when we're in this mode of thinking that we need to do our way. We need to action our way to a result because the action gets to be part of it, but it's who we are and the openness that we create for ourselves when we are switched off. Like that's when the really good stuff comes in. And then you'll get that idea like, oh, I should send so-and-so a DM. I should write a post about this. I should create this offer. And those are the things that lead to you manifesting more of what you want. Yes, 100%. And what part do emotions play within all of that? Because I think sometimes, and I'd love to hear your idea, um, because I can hear spirit all the time, sometimes I'll get like these amazing aha moments or these ideas and then I'll go to put them in place. And then all of a sudden, like they're not flowing the way that I thought they would, or there's something that kind of gets in the way. So how do you discern for yourself? I guess I've got two questions here about which sort of nuggets to follow, which, which breadcrumbs to follow. And then also how do your, like, do your emotions factor into that as well? Like, do you have that alignment of thought and then feeling, or do you ever just roll with the, the thought and, and the feeling doesn't matter? As far as which direction to move in, like which breadcrumbs to follow, I always go with what feels the most expansive and what feels the most fun. And sometimes that's a very scary thing. It's not like a warm, fuzzy kind of fun feeling, uh, but it's more of like this internal sense of like, oh, if I did that, that would be so cool. And uh, then that's the aligned action. And then with the feeling piece, this is huge. And this is yeah. something that, this is something I still work at because I have done a lot of work to open myself up emotionally. When I was younger, I was very, very closed off, very, very shut down and completely up in my head. But when we're manifesting, what we can do is use our thoughts to gain clarity on what it is we actually want. We can daydream, we can visualize, we can fantasize about the different things that we want to call in. But if we just keep it up there, it's going to feel like an uphill battle to manifest because it's the heart that really magnetizes our desires to us. It's our heart that's pulling us towards a certain experience because whenever we're manifesting anything, it's not for the actual thing. It's not the dream house. It's not the vacation or the hot car or the, the handbag. Those things no. are fantastic. It's the feeling. It's yeah. the feeling that we think those things are going to give us. Yeah. And it's when actually we can get ourselves into a place. Or peace. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so when we can think about something and we can be like, ooh, that would be amazing. And then when we put ourselves in that end experience through feeling, that's when things happen so quickly where it feels like a miracle, where it feels like this has to be magic. Like, what have I done here? Because there's no logical explanation for how this came into my life so quickly and easily. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And I will say for our listener at home, who's listening and not watching us, you know, when Kelly, when you were talking about feeling that feeling like your face lit up, like you were so beautiful, you just went, yeah, like you just knew this is for me unequivocally. Um, one book I really want to recommend to the listener at home, and I'd love to know if you read it, is uh, The Power of Your Emotions by Abraham, like Esther Hicks. And I've been re-listening to that on audiobook over and over and over again. And one of the things it talks a lot about is, is paying attention to your emotions, 
And when you're feeling electric and light, like you were explaining, Kelly, that's where you, you put things in motion. You put your intentions out into the universe and you watch as the things come back to you the way you've intended. But I think what we do sometimes is we also act out of scarcity or we act out of fear or we act out of worry or desperation or anxiety. And when we're doing that, we're putting that kind of sludgy, yucky energy behind our intention, which is going to have a completely different effect. Yeah. I haven't read that particular book, but I love their work. Um, When we're doing things from that place, it's also a very contractive energy. It's a very closed off energy. It's kind of like kind of like the husband who takes his wife on a date because she wants him to, and he'd rather be at home watching the game. And he's only there because he's trying to be a good husband versus the husband who is thrilled to go and spend time with his wife and go and do something really fun together. The action is the exact same. The energy behind it, very, very different. Yes. Again, the unseen in a way. And when we can tap into the unseen and we can feel into that, I think a big part coming back to our whole theme today is about feeling into what's right for you. And when you can feel these things that are not in alignment, the more you're aware of it, much like worry, the more when we're aware of it, then we can go, oh, wait a minute, something is not right here. So I know we're out of time now. I could talk to you for about the subject for ages because it's just so exciting. Before we wrap, though, I do want to ask you, if you notice that you're not in alignment, if you notice that something isn't working, if you notice that you're on a date with your husband and he doesn't want to be there, for example, if you notice that maybe you're trying to, uh, you're feeling pressure to do 25,000 marketing actions, you know, how do you kind of get back into alignment? Do you have to stop what you're doing? Do you have to pivot? Can you just readjust your energy right then and there by like having a quick session in the bathroom with the elementals? How does it work? Yeah, it can happen very, very quickly. And my advice for that is to tap into your bigger picture vision. And so with the relationship example, how would you want that experience to go with your partner? What would the ideal experience to be? Or what would the ideal experience be for you in that situation. My brain does not want to match up with my mouth right now. And anything else where, where you feel like things are just a little bit off, just take a pause, take a breath, tap into your bigger picture vision. And you can ask yourself if I were already there, like for people who have a business, if I was already making the money I desire, if I was already booked with clients, is this something that I would want to do? Is this an action that I would want to take right now from a place of expansion or Am I doing this because there's this underlying energy of lack and scarcity and, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, I'm not going to get a result. Yeah. Right. So just kind of really being aware of where it is that you want to go, or that's not really a great way to word it because it's all happening right here, right now. But what is the desired experience that you want to have and is who you're being right now, the version of you who's a match for that? Oh, that's so awesome. Well, thank you, Kelly, so much for being on the show. I know you have a free guided meditation to meet your inner witch that I will put available for our listener at home in our show notes. Kelly, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about today? And also, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, gosh, Um, this has been so much fun. I have loved talking with you. I guess to leave the listeners with something 
just remember that this is this is the only round that we have on this planet in our current incarnation. And if you're not doing what you want to do, you can change that at any point in time and start living a life that you truly want to be living. And then as far as where to find me, uh, my website is kellydon.co and Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. I'm over there at I am Kelly Dawn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure we will have you back on the show another time. <laughs> thank you. I'll manifest that. Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.